0: Consistently, every Monday, we cut checks to the organizations we support to help and send monies across the world to people who are, bless God, this time of the year, reading that story in a language we don't understand, but celebrating the same God that we do. That is just so awesome that this time of the year, unified around the world, we are celebrating the birth of our collective Savior it is so, so wonderful. As we look there at, and go ahead and get out your notes, that the, uh, the birth of Jesus is often referred to as the greatest story ever told. And this great story is about a baby born with a mission to seek and to save. See, Luke 19.10 says, The Son of Man came to seek and and to save what was lost see that is one of the things I, i've got five kids and i love all of them incredibly deeply and the idea of god releasing his son into humanity's hands for him and knowing what was going to happen i mean just when i reflect on that during this time of the year it is it is so incredible that God did that for us. But Jesus came. He was born with this mission to seek and to save that which was lost. We see this right from the very beginning there in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. It says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. A savior has been born. He had that mantle on him from birth. It's not something that all of a sudden somebody decided, oh, wait, wait, you'd make a good savior. He was born a savior. He was born ready to bring us back to God. Has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger he understood that bringing us back to him was the most important thing the forefront thing and to be able to to have that on your mind is just so it's so wonderful Maya, i I come from a long line of believers. I know that there are a lot of y'all who some of y'all are maybe first generation believers that you're, you weren't raised in a Christian household, you weren't, you weren't raised going to church and all that, but I'm totally different. Um, I was drugged to church whenever I was a kid and my parents were drugged to church when they were a kid and, and it's just a long line of uh, being drugged around and uh, that was what we did got drugged to church. But it was a good thing. But on my, on my <coughs> grandfather's side, on my mom's side, then that we have this incredible, incredible heritage. And uh, um, please help me if, uh, to get through this story. So just hang with me. Um, but my grandfather's father's father, my great-great-grandfather, whenever they had moved into this uh, area, um, of course, back then they everything was agricultural. it was all very very rural and they had the barns and they had all of that and my great and my great grandfather was one of I believe it was five kids and uh, anyways, as they were my his father was doing some work, they had a barn, and they had all of their stuff in the barn and all of their their seed and the, everything that they had harvested well, that particular year, there was an incredible incredibly bad crop of rats and they were just destroying everything and it had to be dealt with and so they had to deal with the poison well we don't have didn't have fda and osha and all of those different things helping us keep ourselves safe from ourselves and all that wasn't enacted and so he had to get up there and the the barn had a wooden floor and he had to get up under there and put the poison well he got up under there and put the cans out and and opened them up and was crawling out and while he was under there, the big gust of wind came through and blew all that stuff up into his face. Well, this is, was mean, mean poison. This was stuff that was going to eradicate these rats. And well, when he breathed this stuff in, it immediately, he, he was carrying a death sentence at that point in time. There wasn't hospitals, there wasn't any of that stuff around. He got incredibly sick. And my, my great-grandfather, <clears throat> whenever I was about 14, shared with me the story. That he was sick, and he remembered that he couldn't hardly breathe, and had real shallow breath, and he couldn't hardly breathe, and he would sit there and sleep in the rocking chair, and he would just be sitting there. And finally, he knew that his time was coming to an end. And he called all, he called his wife in, and he called the kids in, and he called them all in, and he knew. He said, I'm, I'm not going to be here long. And one by one, went over those kids, and begin to pray for those kids that they would, that they would begin to, <laughs> that they would follow God all the days of their lives. Begin to pray for the, those kids' children and for the, for the generations to come. And begin to pray over them in his dying moments that they would know God in a real and life transforming way. And then in front of the kids, he called his wife over and began to pray over her because she was about to become a widow And she was a young woman with a lot of kids and he began to pray over her and pray over the man who was going to come in and be a husband and a father to those kids. And in those dying moments, he prayed, didn't know who it would be, but prayed and asked that God would bring her a new husband and a father to those kids and that they would be knit together as one family. And in those dying moments, just poured his heart into those children and into that family and understood what the real mission was about. It was about our relationship with God. It was about caring for people. It wasn't about ourselves. It wasn't about pity me, I'm sick. It was about this heritage. When my, <clears throat> I so wanted to get this on audio, and I wanted to get it in my great-grandfather's words. He was five years old when he remembers standing at that bedpost and his daddy dying and praying over him and his kids and me, and that all his generations that come out of him, that they would serve God all their days. And so he had told me the story and was able to get through it when I was about 14. I went back when I was about 22 or 23, and I knew he didn't have very many days, and I had my recorder, and I so wanted to get that, to be able to let my kids hear it in that first-hand account. And he couldn't get through it. He would talk about it, and he would just just begin to cry. He He just couldn't handle it. See, at this time, at this time of the year, it's so easy to get wrapped up in the festivities. It's so easy, and it is. It's awesome. I love Christmas and all of the the fun and all of it is. It is good news to all generations. But guess what? It's good news that a Savior was coming. One who could look beyond death and see life. On the other side of that. One who, could, who knew what their mission was about. And what Christ says, that little baby. Wrapped up in those linen cloths. Was full of love and power and destiny to change mine and your lives forever. That is what the Christmas season is about. That God so loved That he gave. That a savior was sent. That he did not leave us far off. And say it's your fault. You're disconnected. You're sinful. Figure it out. He could have. But he didn't. He took it upon himself. He took it upon himself. To come. And Jesus came. To seek and to save that which was lost. Matthew 1 verses 18 through 21. Says this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph, was, he was punching out. He said, I'm done. We're betrothed. This is the one I love, but she's, she's shown up pregnant got some crazy story that just kind of happened i'm pregnant but i'm a virgin yeah whatever mary he was just going to be he wasn't gonna make a big deal about it just divorce her quietly and go on with his life and the angel of the lord shows up says but he but after he had considered this an angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream and said joseph son of david do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the holy spirit she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins see there like my great great grandfather there was god the father hand picking the stepfather his son the first male arms to hold jesus was his stepfather and it was of god see i know in this day and age there can be a lot of blended families but you know what it can be there can be an assignment i don't know how you got there and i'm not trying to justify how you get there but you know what there can be a stepdad who is called of god to step into that role My great-grandfather loved the man that stepped into his daddy's shoes like he was his own daddy. He called him daddy. He loved him. I'm telling you, this is a time of of family. This is a time where God puts people together. It It is such a wonderful, beautiful, awesome thing. And we have to celebrate it. No, it wasn't the perfect environment. I guarantee you, when Mary had that angelic, visitation, she did not see herself giving birth next to cattle or donkeys. She figured her mom at least would be there to help her. Her scenario that played out in her mind as she was pregnant with what God had given her, and that child coming and being born, it looked way different in her mind, I would bet, than what was played out in that major scene but God was bringing forth our savior. Luke 2:49 I love it because all through Jesus' life, his whole life, he understood. We don't hear anything out of Jesus. He's born, then we don't hear anything until he's 12. And we get one quote. We get one quote from Jesus at 12 years old. And he is still mission focused. I love it there in Luke two forty nine. They had gone. The the family had gone to their annual trip to Jerusalem to celebrate. They were all there in the caravan, lots of people together, the family. They had they had done what they needed to do in Jerusalem and were heading back to Nazareth. And there as they go to camp, they can't find Jesus. They don't know where he's at. They begin to panic, begin to freak out a little bit. Take it there, they've been traveling a day, takes them a day to get back. And they're looking for Jesus. They've been disconnected from their child for two days. And they're looking for Jesus. And they finally find him. And Mary's a little panicky. You wait, you read it, it's, she's a little freaked out over this thing. And then he just responds to her and said, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? From birth through adolescence through whenever he was there going on the cross, when he was tempted in the wilderness, he stayed mission focused. The whole time he knew he had come to this earth to reconnect you and I. He stayed focused. See, there in that manger was a baby who was born to die so that we might die to live. I mean, the last thing when you look at a little baby you think of his death. It's new, it's life, but that was why he came into the earth. To live his life perfectly so that he can die the perfect death so that we who are so imperfect could have a savior. Jesus did not lose his focus. See, during this time of the year, a lot of times it can be easy to try to refocus kind of what the the spirit of Christmas and maybe even what... uh, what miracles and even all of that that Jesus was about is. we got a little video that I want to show you so we don't... I'm Jesus. Hope. I'm Santa. You know, Jesus, you and I are pretty much equals. Oh, yeah. How's that? Uh, we both dabble in miracles. Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, what kind of miracles do you do? Yeah, I, I slide down chimneys. Okay. And uh, I make reindeer fly. Uh-huh. I, uh I, I deliver presents to every boy and girl in the entire world. Is that really a miracle, though? I don't know if that's... (laughs) It's in one night. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's good time management, but I don't think that's really a miracle. You know, for me, what I did was I came to Earth and I made it so the uh, lame could walk, the blind could see, the deaf could hear. Plus, I died for everyone's sins and then rose from the dead. I turned water into wine. No, you didn't. I want to. (gasps) Now, I, uh... I've already said before, I don't make a big deal about the, the Santa deal. Our family doesn't do it. I've always told our, you know, let our kids know. We make sure they don't go around being the, the uh, Santa slayers for their little friends. Say, Santa's not real. Like, don't do that. That's not your job. Um, we just talk about our God who is. And our Savior who is real. And we stay focused on that. And in this time of the year, it's so easy to try to have things begin to k- get kind of muted. And forget what this season is really about. And we had a real Savior who was really born. See, this isn't a some sort of allegory. This isn't some sort of thing that God loved and He, and he gave us this neat little story about this child that came along. Christ really came. Because, you see, the thing is, is, if God did not come in the flesh, then the perfect sacrifice could not be made. Jesus had to come. God had to send Himself, as a rep- representative, he had to do it. And Jesus stayed on task. He knew that what he was there to do. He did not get confused or distracted in the middle of it. He knew what it was about. I said, we have five kids and my, my middle son and my middle child, Weston. And uh, he's, just a, he's just a ton of fun. He just loves everybody. and uh, But he can, he can be a little absent-minded at times and, and whatnot as uh, he gets that honestly from his dad. And uh, especially when he's groggy. And uh, a few years ago, we were put Weston to bed, put all the kids to bed. And Cutie and I were still up. We stay up for hours after they go to sleep. And um, Weston gets up. And uh, he had to go to the bathroom. And so he wakes up, and he's not quite focused. And so, but he just gets up, and we see him, and we're in the living room. And he walks, comes out of his room, walks through the living room, ignores us. We go in and we watch him out of the corner of our eye and he goes into the laundry room. He's in there for a little minute. He comes out of the laundry room, comes past us. It's goodnight, y'all. We go and they like we look at each other It's like, "What was he what was he doing in the laundry room?" So we go over into the laundry room and flip on the light and sure enough at least he'd aimed at the towels. <laughs> and uh he had uh taken care of what he needed to do in the wrong room. He got out of bed, he went through the process. He he, he 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 tried to do the right thing, but he he was a little uh he was a little misfocused and ended up with a little bit wrong result. And uh and so we have to make sure that during this time that we stay focused on what Jesus came for of why he came cuz Jesus didn't lose focus. We can go through the right motions. We can have this Christmas thing. We can look like we're going through the right process and walking through the through everything just right. But if we don't keep it focused on Christ, we've let the season slip away. And the real thing that it was about, we totally missed. We totally missed. We got real close but totally missed. We have to stay focused and keep everything focused on Christ. It is all about Christ. It is going to be so cute tonight. I so want you all to, to, if you can, if you don't have plans for tonight already, or if you do and they're soft plans, then break them and show up over there with us at Christian Church of San Angelo because one of our core main focuses, and we have already talked about five focuses, and one of them is missions, and, the, and another one is children and on this environment, we don't get the opportunity to showcase our kids. But then every week, they're over there learning and talking about the same concepts we're learning and talking about. And then they come home with cool little trinkets and cool little things that that reinforce it. And us as parents and grandparents are supposed to be asking them about what they learned. We model a lot of what we do. Do you know with Sesame Street? Everybody familiar with Sesame Street? One of the reasons why they have the... One of the reasons why they have the, the adults and these stars come on. These kids don't know who Robin Williams or one of these people are. They don't care. They like Elmo and Big Bird and all of that. But the reason that the Sesame Street Company would bring these adult stars in is because it would catch the eye of mom and dad. And mom and dad would sit down and watch at least for that segment with that kid. And studies have shown over and over and over again. That a kid retains more and learns more if there's parental participation. If the parent shows value, the kids automatically adhere more. That's why we sit there and the kids aren't learning one thing and we're learning another. What they're learning is just as important. And when we talk to them about it and discuss it with them, all of a sudden they realize, wow, this is heavy. And it completely reinforces everything we're doing with those kids over there be sure and talk to them every week about what they're learning it reinforces and help concrete we're making disciples with our kids every week but tonight they're going to do this cool little program and they're so excited about it and uh So we're going to have an awesome time. We're going to do communion together tonight. Not with our little pill open cups. Because we actually have some time over there. And we'll do uh, communion in a a different way than that. And we're going to have just a wonderful time. It will be from 7 to 8. And I really want to encourage you to show up. But we have to keep the focus. 100% about Jesus at this point in the year. See 1 Peter 2.24. Says he himself... For our sins in His body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. And by His wounds we have been healed. See, He died so that we could live, and He's given us all sorts of blessings, and healing is one of those. Revelations three eight, I mean thirteen eight, says all inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life, belonging to the Lamb that was slain. From the creation of the world. See as soon as Adam and Eve sinned. God began to put the restorating process into work. Everything all of the the Old Testament covenant. All of it pointed so that when, when Christ came along. We would recognize who he was. And understand and embrace him as a savior. But God had already in his heart way back then. Had slain Jesus in his heart. He knew that that was what was going to have to happen. Hebrews eleven seventeen through 19 says, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figurative speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. See, God needed, our relationship with God is based on covenant. And in a co- anytime there's a covenant taking place, there are gifts exchanged. Then there is commitment exchanged. And they have to be equal. One side can't do it all. That's why when you know we both give rings. Cutie gave me a ring and I gave Cutie a ring when we made commitment. We both give rings. We both do those things. And God needed to redeem us to be able to, he needed to give his One and only son. And that's why what Abraham did was so incredibly vital. Because for God to be able to righteously and legally offer his son up as part of the covenant, he needed a human to be willing to offer his one and only son as part of the covenant. And that's that bizarre thing you read in Genesis where God begins to talk to Abraham about this son that he believed that he received when he was a hundred years old. That he knew that, his, that there was going to be multitudes of generations come out of that child. And then God said, offer him up. There was, he, that child was full of promise. And God said, offer him up. And Abraham in his heart, because that's where faith happens. Abraham gave his son up believing that he could get him back from the dead that God would do that. And then God that gave God the legal right, covenant right, both were equal to then cuz Abraham did it in his heart and then God was able to say okay, you've done it in your heart. It's done. Stop. And provided a ram. And then God can send Jesus here at Christmas time, his one and only son to fulfill that part of the covenant. Our relationship with God is legal and right and binding. God stepped in and changed everything through sending Jesus. And seeing as we look at that, as we understand this, and we em- embrace this Christmas message, then we need to try to figure out what are we supposed to do with this. And the shepherds showed us what we're to do with this great seek and save mission. And that is tell what we know simply tell what we know see there in luke 2:13 through 18 it says suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising god and saying glory to god in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests when the angels had left them and gone into heaven the shepherds said to one another let's go to bethlehem and see this thing that's happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. These weren't great theologians. These weren't guys who completely understood the whole package. But these were guys who were willing to share what they knew. God has shown me this and I'm willing to share it. That's why we don't, as soon as somebody, as soon as somebody understands the gospel enough to receive it themselves, they are now commissioned to go and share it. Because all you have to do is share what you know. You don't have to have the whole thing figured out. Just share what you know. During this holiday time, during this holiday time you're going to get sitting around some people maybe you haven't seen in a while. You're going to get some extra conversation time that you don't normally get as you're sitting around the table or, or doing the gift thing or whatnot. You know what? I just I want to ask you this. Don't, you know, I'm not asking you to, to manipulate and turn the conversation. If you want to do that, go there. But just be willing in your heart say, God, if you open the door, if you open the door, I'll share with them. I'll talk to them about what I know of you. I'll talk. I'll just share. It's not being preachy. It's not arm-twisting. It's not trying to force them to get on their knees and bow to God. The results are in His hands. But just be willing to do like these shepherds did and share what they know. See, love comes and gets shown in all sorts of different ways. We've talked about the different love languages. And my wife's love language is gifts. And and others, people have love language of... of... uh, of... uh, like... Hugs and touch closeness, and there's oh, there's five different love languages, and people just express it in different ways. <clears throat> and so, and obviously, my son, my son Keenan has a, a unique love language. And uh, whenever he was nine, and uh, this is why it's so good to keep journals because I get to reread these things, these little funny things because I reread my journals. When Keenan was nine years old, um, he's always been infatuated with the idea. Of being able to like flex and bounce pec muscles, he's always just thought that was cool. It's one of his life goals, is he wants to be able to bounce his pec muscles. And when he was nine, he was like, "Dad, Dad, teach me, teach me how to, teach me how to bounce my pecs, Dad." I'm like, well, son, you, you gotta have some muscle to do that. <laughs> and, uh, and so he, he wanted to, uh, he wanted to learn how to bounce them. And I said, "Well, what's the deal? Why do you want to do that?" He said, "He said, well, he said whenever I get married." He said, and it's time to go goodnight. I kissed my wife goodnight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bounce my pecs. And I said, uh, I said, you are? He said, yeah. He said, I, he said I'm going to tell her, see, baby, even my pecs love you. <laughs> so uh, whoever he marries is in for a handful. Lord, help him. I have to pray for that woman right now. God, help that young lady. And uh, But we all express love in different ways. And at this time of the year... At this time of the year, our, the greatest way we can express love back to God. He so loved that he gave. The greatest way that we can express love back to God is in, in celebrating Christ's birth is to share what he did. To push forward Christ's mission to seek and to save. That's what this theater is about. That's what this church is about. That's why we, we have here, it would be so much easier to have some place where we could put our equipment up all the time. It would be so much easier. The rent would be less. A lot of effort would be less. But you know what? We're here because there are people who don't go to church for whatever reason. They don't go to regular church. And so we have this in a movie theater. It's a little more low key. It's a little less confrontational. A little more comfortable. Why? To seek and to save. What is lost? To seek and save those that are disconnected. That is what we're all called to do. That was Jesus' mission. And during this time of the year, let's go forward and push that forward. Let's move Christ's mission forward. That's what he came for. He stayed focused on it through adolescence, through his entire ministry. When, G- when, when uh, Peter tried to steer him off, man, he rebuked him. Called him Satan. Satan only satan would try to steer jesus off of his mission to seek and save that which was lost jesus stayed focused on it and as disciples of his we have to do the same thing and so this morning we want to make sure that if you're disconnected from god that you have the opportunity to reconnect with god this morning To give him the greatest present, 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 him the the...